Welcome to Hope Sabbath School, an in-depth, interactive study of the Word of God. We're in the middle of an amazing series, Managing for the Master Until He Comes. Today's topic comes straight from the teaching of Jesus about laying up treasure in heaven. We'll look at some examples that will inspire us and one that will be a warning to us. So we're glad you joined us for Hope Sabbath School today. And welcome to the team. Good to be back together again. <laughs> and we're going to learn some practical guidelines about managing for the master today. We also want to welcome some remote team members joining us. Always glad to have Sabina with us. Good to see you, Sabina. Also, Travis, good to see you, Travis. Glad you're with us. And Haiti, good to see you again. Always <laughs> enjoy uh, having our remote team members with us. And we're also happy to hear from you, our Hope Sabbath School members around the world. When you write to us at sshope at hopetv.org, uh, we're excited to see how God's blessing in your lives. Joel writes to us from the country of Uganda. Hmm. We just launched the Hope Channel Uganda. Amen. So we're Amen. glad that you can watch the programming there. And he says, greetings, Hope Sabbath School members. Greetings. <laughs> I've been watching and studying with Hope Sabbath School for the last five years. Amen. I've benefited a lot to the extent that now I'm able to use your techniques and share the message with Sabbath School at my local church. Amen. Amen. I feel blessed to be part of the Hope Sabbath School team. Well, Joel, we're glad. That's our prayer, that, that this in-depth, interactive Bible study can be multiplied by 10,000 or maybe more all around the world. Thank you for sharing with us. Here's a note from Amado in California in the United States of America. And Amado says, kind of ties in with what we just heard from Joel, I've been encouraged to lead our next Sabbath school study this coming Saturday because of what you did in that series on Genesis. Remember a past series where it was all taught by team teachers? I'm going to be teaching at the East Bay Filipino American Adventist Church in California. I've been blessed by your program since the start of the pandemic when our churches were closed. So Having watched Hope Sabbath School, I took courage to volunteer to lead the next study at our church for the very first time. Amen. That's awesome. Thanks, Amato, for writing to us. And uh, may the number of interactive Bible studies increase. Amen. We're glad you're part of it. Here's a handwritten note from a donor in Washington State here in the United States. That's the great Northwest. And the donor writes and says, Dear Hope Sabbath School team, I just want you to know how I love watching Hope Sabbath School. Amen. Amen. Often when I'm watching, the Holy Spirit comes to me and I find myself responding with tears of gratitude. Amen. Isn't that beautiful? Thank you for your program and a donation of $200 Amen. to bless the ministry of Hope Sabbath School. Thank you, donor in Washington. And I just rejoice with you that your heart is open to the Spirit of God. Amen. And thanks to each one of our donors for being part of this miracle. You can go to our website, click on that donate button, and it really makes a difference in sharing the gospel with the world. Amen. One last note from Brendy in Zambia. We have a lot of Hope Sabbath School members in Zambia. Brendy says, I'm 27 years old. 
I BECAME A TRUE BELIEVER IN JESUS AND A MEMBER OF THE SEVENTH-DAY ADVENTIST CHURCH IN 2016. Wow. AND I'VE BEEN FAITHFUL TO THIS DAY. Amen. AMEN. IN FACT, NOW I'M A YOUNG DEACON AT OUR LOCAL CHURCH AND A SABBATH SCHOOL TEACHER. Amen. THE PROGRAM IS REALLY BOOSTING ME EVERY WEEK. I PRAY THAT JEHOVAH GOD BLESS YOU ALL EVERY DAY. AND BRENDY CONCLUDES, NO TIME TO WASTE. IT'S HIGH TIME FOR THE MESSAGE TO BE PROCLAIMED. AMEN? Amen. WELL, BRENDY, WE'RE GLAD THAT YOU NOT ONLY HAVE FOUND THE TRUTH IN JESUS, BUT YOU'RE SHARING THAT TRUTH IN YOUR SABBATH SCHOOL. AMEN. WE'RE GOING TO SING OUR SONG IN JUST A MOMENT, BUT IF YOU HAVEN'T GONE TO OUR WEBSITE AND ACCESSED THIS AMAZING FREE COURSE, FOOTSTEPS TOWARD... WHAT'S IT CALLED AGAIN? STEPS TOWARD FAITHFUL STEWARDSHIP. YES, I'M ENJOYING IT MYSELF. GO TO THE WEBSITE, CLICK ON THE FREE GIFT TAB, THAT'S HOPETV.ORG SLASH HOPESS, AND YOU CAN GO ON A JOURNEY AND LEARN SOME GREAT THINGS THAT WILL BE A PRACTICAL BLESSING FOR YOUR LIFE. Mm -hmm. BY THE WAY, WHILE YOU'RE THERE AT OUR WEBSITE, YOU CAN DOWNLOAD OUR SONG IF YOU HAVEN'T GOT IT FOR YOURSELF, PUT IT ON YOUR PHONE, PUT IT ON YOUR COMPUTER. RIGHT NOW WE WANT TO SING IT TOGETHER. IT'S A 3,000-YEAR-OLD SCRIPTURE SONG FROM PSALM 96. SING TO THE LORD, a new song. Let's sing it together. In 
things that I really appreciate about Hope Sabbath School is that the Holy Spirit is our teacher. Amen. Amen. And he says, Jesus says, when he, the spirit of truth is come, he will guide you into all truth. Amen. So I'm praying with you today that the Holy Spirit would be our teacher and that as we talk about laying up treasure in heaven, that we would not only understand what that means, but we would experience that in our lives. Amen. So I invite you to join with us as we pray together. Our Father in heaven, we thank you for the wonderful promise that your Holy Spirit will guide us into your truth as we study today. We want to be faithful stewards, faithful managers for our master Jesus until he comes. Amen. And as we talk about laying up treasure in heaven today, may your Holy Spirit guide each Hope Sabbath School member around the world. We pray in the name of Jesus. Amen. 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 Well, the title of our study today is taken from the words of Jesus. And Stephanie, I'm going to ask you if you would take us there to Matthew chapter 6, verses 19 through 21. It's part of the great Sermon on the Mount, but uh, it's, it, it tells us the very heart of the message that we have for our study today. And the New King James Version says, Do not lay up for yourselves treasures on earth, where moth and rust destroy and where thieves break in and steal. But lay up for yourselves treasures in heaven, where neither moth nor rust destroys, and where thieves do not break in and steal. For where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. So if we just had that one verse for our study today, why is it important to lay up treasure in heaven? Answer, Alex? Well, it's to show, for example, that everything else will be destroyed and just stolen or just it's not worth it. And it's not worth it, but yes. the last part of the your, verse mm -hmm. says your heart, our heart, heart is there. Our heart your is going to be where we put our treasure. Amen. And so I want my heart to be in heavenly places. Amen. And so I'm going to put treasure there. Well, what does that mean to lay up treasure in heaven? We're going to look at some mm -hmm. examples from Scripture that I think illustrate the principle of laying up treasure in heaven. And we're going to begin in Genesis chapter 6 and read the story of Noah. Jason, if you could read for us Genesis 6, verses 5 through 14. The New King James Version says, Genesis chapter 6, verses 5 through 14, Then the Lord saw the wickedness of man was great in the earth, and that every intent of the thoughts of his heart was only evil continually. And the Lord was sorry that he had made man on the earth, and he was grieved in his heart. So the Lord said, I will destroy man whom I have created from the face of the earth, both man and beast, creeping thing, and birds of the ear, for I am sorry that I have made them. But Noah found grace in the eyes of the Lord. <laughs> this is the genealogy of Noah. Noah was a just man, perfect in his generations. Noah walked with God. And Noah begot three sons, Shem, Ham, and Japheth. The earth also was corrupt before God, and the earth was filled with violence. So God looked upon the earth, and indeed it was corrupt, for all flesh had corrupted their way on the earth. And God said to Noah, 
The end of all flesh has come before me, for the earth is filled with violence through them. And behold, I will destroy them with the earth. Make yourself an ark of gopher wood. Make rooms in the ark and cover it inside and outside with pitch. And then read verse 22 of that same chapter for us. Verse 22 says, New King James Version, Thus Noah did according to all that God commanded him, mm. so he did. <laughs> mm. Now, the, he'd never built a boat before. I don't know what he did for an occupation, but guided by God, he builds a boat. Mm. It's almost like Moses with the pattern for the tabernacle, mm. uh, Noah a pattern for a boat. Yeah. Uh, and, and he follows all of the instructions. But then, Gladys, look at Je uh, Genesis chapter 7, verse 1 and verse 7, because it's not enough to build a boat. Let's see what it says in Genesis 7, verses 1 and 7. I'm reading from the New International Version, and he says, The Lord then said to Noah, Go into the ark, you and your whole family, because I have found you righteous in this generation. And verse 7 says, And Noah and his sons and his wife and his sons and his sons' wives enter the ark to escape the waters of the flood. So how was building a boat according to the instruction of God and then going into the ark when there was no rain coming down, how was that an example for us of not laying up treasure on earth where moth corrupts and thieves can break in and steal, but, but laying up treasure in heaven? Jason? Well, there are many other things Noah could have been doing. He could have building his house on earth. He could have been taking care of his, you know, fields. We, we don't know exactly what his occupation was, but there were many other things he could have been doing to take care of himself. But instead, he's following God's guidance here. Would you say then, and thank you for that mm -hmm. point, that following the will of God is laying up treasure in heaven? Yes. 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 Amen. Amen. Following the will of God is laying up treasure in heaven. Now, what else was he doing? How, how long did it take him to, to, to build the ark? Well, we don't know, but 120 years, I think, is a span of time. I don't know if he was working that whole time, but he was doing something else. Mm -hmm. Carlos, could you take us to 2 Peter chapter 2 and verse 5? Because this is another activity of laying up treasure in heaven rather than on the earth. 2 Peter chapter 2 and verse 5. I am at 2 Peter chapter 2 verse 5, reading from the New King James Version, and it says, I did not spare the ancient world, but saved Noah, one of eight people, a preacher of righteousness, bringing in the flood on the world of the ungodly. So what, what little clue here, it's not in the book of Genesis, <laughs> Uh, what did you hear he was doing, uh, Tigist? He was preaching. He was a preacher of righteousness. How is uh, preaching the truth about God's love and about the impending judgment laying up treasure in heaven? Yes, Stephanie. Everyone who comes to God, everyone who comes to God is going to be there <laughs> in heaven. So, so you're saying those people treasure. who come to faith mm -hmm. are treasure. Yes. yes. That can be with us uh, in God's eternal kingdom. Tigist. And I think that's the entire mission of us in, in the world today. Mm -hmm. That is to bring Christ, uh, people to Christ. And at the end of it all, it's not what we gain from the world materially. So I'm going to ask Travis a question. Travis, how does the example of Noah 
He could have been just developing his business, right? <laughs> but doing what God asked him to do and proclaiming what God asked him to proclaim, how is that an inspiration to you today? Well, Derek, considering the circumstances with which he had to work, um, it's very inspiring because I feel like I don't have to work under those same circumstances, at least right now, because we just read, Jason just read, that the whole world was, their minds were on wickedness continually. So to preach in an area where everybody else is opposed to you, that would be tough. Not only that, but that ark was large, and I'm sure it took um, almost all, if not all, of his resources. It's as if Noah poured everything in uh, to what God had asked him to do. And I'm thinking to myself, if Noah can do that, <laughs> I mean, how much can I give, right? How much can I give back? Where are my treasures? So it's very inspiring to me, um, especially that he was saved through that. So, uh, yeah, I think there's a lot to be learned from this story. Well, Travis has built a lot of buildings, but that boat was a big boat uh, that was built. Uh, anybody else? How does the example of Noah inspire you? Sabina? Uh, I'm, I'm inspired, like Travis, to make sacrifices, but also I was thinking just about his faith, that we also have promises to live for. We also have a hope that Jesus is coming soon again. And uh, I think that we need faith to believe that indeed these promises of Scripture will come to pass, just like uh, Noah had that faith in God's Word, and act upon that. So it inspires me to also have faith and act upon the reality of Scripture, not just, you know, what the world presents to us. So back to the Word of Jesus that we started with. Don't just lay up treasure on earth where moth and rust corrupt and thieves break in and steal, but lay up treasure in heaven, in heaven where your, heart is. Where your, your heart is. treasure is, your heart will be also. Your heart will be also. Mm -hmm. Noah, a great example. I, I, like the, I like that insight too. Not only, of course, he's saving, his family is saved, mm -hmm. but uh, everyone who hears the word and accepts God's saving message mm -hmm. is treasure. Mm -hmm. Amen. Laid up in the kingdom. Well, let's look at another example also from the Old Testament. Uh, and I'm going to ask Lalika if you could read from Genesis chapter 12. You know, the book of Genesis is actually a book of stories mm -hmm. of great men and women of God, starting with the creation of our first parents. What sacrifices, as you listen to Lalika read, did Abram, mm -hmm. that was his name at the time, make when he followed God's direction to leave Ur and later to leave Haran? Genesis 12, verses 1 to 3. I'll be reading from the New King James Version. Now the Lord had said to Abram, get out of your country from your family and from your father's house to a land that I will show you. I'll make you a great nation. I'll bless you mm. and make your name great and you shall be a blessing. I'll bless those who bless you and I'll curse him who curses you. And in you, all the families of the earth shall be blessed. So before we talk about what sacrifices he made and how that was laying up treasure in heaven, uh, mm -hmm. would someone read for us from Hebrews chapter 11 and verse 8? Hebrews 11. Haiti, do you have that? Hebrews 11 and verse 8. It adds a little more about perhaps a sacrifice that Abraham was making when he left his homeland. 
I'll be reading from the New King James Version, and it says, By faith, Abraham obeyed when he was called to go out to the place which he would receive as an inheritance. And he went out, not knowing where he was going. <laughs> okay. So what sacrifices, he's leaving Ur, uh, what sacrifices is he, is he making to follow God's plan? Offered. Yes, Alex? Yes, and, and it's really a lack of like, um, security, if you will. It's like, well, I don't know where exactly he's leading me, but he's willing to give that up. He's like, because ultimately I do trust in the Lord. Okay, so he's giving up the security of, of everything he yes. knows, mm -hmm. the language he knows, mm -hmm. uh, the culture he knows, the people he knows. Uh, yeah, it's, it's like Sabina always says, you know, God sometimes calls you out of a comfort zone. So Abraham was mm -hmm. used to everything he was around him. His family was here, over there. And just like we know in the Bible times, mm -hmm extended family lived there. Everybody lived in one place. So to go to a place and you don't even know where you're going, it takes a lot of faith. The challenge was also idol worshiping family members were there, yeah. right? <laughs> so God's got a purpose in calling him out. Travis, uh, what do you see about the sacrifice uh, Abraham is making when he leaves his home city? Well, I read a verse further in Hebrews uh, and it says that he dwelt in tents. <laughs> and I thought to myself, <laughs> If I ask my wife to leave our home and go dwell in a tent, um, well, I can tell you I wouldn't be happy about that, but I'm sure she wouldn't <laughs> either. So the Bible mentions he dwells in tents, I believe, for a reason, uh, because it was more than just giving up family. The living conditions were not what he was accustomed to. And I think any of us, if we look at the places where we live, would be uncomfortable to just leave our place, go to a foreign place, and live in a tent. Mm, okay. Mm. <laughs> yeah. Hadn't thought about that, mm. but Ur was not a campsite, right? Yeah. Oh. It was a city. Yeah. And he left all of that security and comfort. Lilika? And uh, I bet also he had uh, um, built some possessions mm -hmm. or he had, sure. uh, you know, things that uh, he couldn't care if he had to leave. Right. So he left many things behind. Uh, Sabina? I think that one of the things that uh, gets people to accumulate treasure, treasures on this earth is because they want to have control of uh, their lives and the situations where, you know, as much as possible. So I think there is a temptation of being controlling. And in the case of Abram, God really had to implant in his heart um, the humility of letting go, of letting God control his life instead of taking matters with his own hands and trusting God would provide for him. Mm. Now, the greatest challenge, if we read on in Genesis 22, what's the greatest challenge that he faces? Mm. It's not just leaving the security of his homeland, language, culture, house, mm -hmm. living in a tent. What's the greatest challenge? Are you familiar with yes. Genesis mm -hmm. chapter 22? Giving up his okay. son. What's the greatest challenge, Alex? Giving up his son. Giving up his son. Let's expand upon that a little more. Which son is this that he's giving up? The son Isaac. of the promise. The child of the yes. promise, Isaac. Isaac. He's waited. He's an old man. Yeah. By a miracle of God, yes. he and his wife have a, have a child, Sarai, as she's called, later called Sarah, and he's later called Abraham, mm -hmm. because finally the child of the promise has come. Mm -hmm. And now the Lord asks him to, give it up. to take his son mm -hmm. to a mountain that will be shown to him and to offer his son as a mm -hmm. sacrifice. Mm -hmm. Is that 
obedience to that, is that also laying up treasure in heaven? Yes. Mm -hmm. Yes. I'd like to look not at Genesis 22. You can certainly read that sometime. But I'd like to look at Hebrews chapter 11. Amen. And Haiti, if you could read that for us in Hebrews 11, verses 17 to 19. You know, I'm so thankful when other uh, inspired Bible writers give us insights uh, on Bible stories. Uh, for example, Isaiah speaks about a virgin conceiving, and some Bible scholars say, well, that doesn't really happen. It just means young woman. But, but no, mm -hmm. Matthew confirms the prophecy that a virgin conceived and bore mm -hmm. a son. Mm -hmm. Here, we gain an insight from the author of Hebrews under the inspiration of God about what was going on in Abraham's mind. Read to us, Haiti, from Hebrews 11, 17 to 19. I'll be reading from the New King James Version. It says, By faith, Abraham, when he was tested, offered up Isaac, and he who had received the promises offered up his only begotten son, of whom it was said, In Isaac your seed shall be called, concluding that God was able to raise him up, even from the dead, from which he also received him in a figurative sense. So I want to ask a question. <laughs> Did you notice what Haiti just read? It says that Abraham offered up his son. You say, oh, no, 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 I read Genesis, and, and didn't the angel say, stop, stop. Uh, and, and there was a ram in a thicket. So did he offer up his son on Mount Moriah, or didn't he? Yes. Uh, Jason? In a physical sense, he didn't uh, complete the whole sacrificial process, but offering is not just a physical thing, it's also the, the mind. mindset, yes. the mentality, the and mm -hmm. he, by being willing to follow God's will wherever it took him, he yep. offered up in a mental, emotional, internal sense. Mm -hmm. So would you agree then that in that act of obedience to God, he was laying up treasure, treasure in heaven? Yes. yes. I mean, maybe, maybe he thought this will be the last time mm -hmm. I will mm -hmm. see my son mm -hmm. right now. Yes. But... What, what did it say at the end of that passage? What, what did he believe, Alex? He believed that God would be able to raise him up. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe not right there on Mount Moriah, though it's very interesting. Yes. When he spoke to the servants earlier, he said, we will go up and we will, come, we will come back again. I want to look at one other testimony in Hebrews chapter 11, which really emphasizes this attitude of keeping focused on the things of heavenly reality rather than just the things of the earth. Mm -hmm. Hebrews 11, verses 9 and 10. And Carlos, would you read that for us? Hebrews 11, verses 9 and 10? Yes. It's, I'm reading from the New King James Version, and, he's, and it says, By faith he dwelt in the land of promise as in a foreign country, dwelling in tents with Isaac and Jacob, the heirs with him of the same promise, for he waited for the city which had foundations, whose builder and maker is God. Mm. Mm. So if we would learn a lesson from Abraham, Stephanie, and keep our eyes focused on the heavenly city, mm -hmm. how would that impact where we put our treasure? <laughs> mm. I think it would impact every part of our lives, mm -hmm. including our treasure. So every, our time, yeah. our energies, all of that. Yeah. Anybody else? Keeping your eyes fixed on the heavenly city. 
Uh, yes, bladders. our resources, how we use our resources mm -hmm. will be different, how we treat our bodies will be different. Right. Mm -hmm. Everything in our lives will be impacted by that looking to the heavenly city. Alex? Yes, I'll even say being content because we just, we just talked about how he left a city and now dwelling in tents. And it's like, well, now he, he is still dwelling mm -hmm. in a tent, but of course his mind is on the heavenly kingdom. It was that he's content with what he has because he knows what he's really um, establishing in the near future. One more verse that talks about our focus. Mm -hmm. It's not just, we're not just sending money to heaven, mm -hmm. right? <laughs> no. Laying up treasure in heaven is, is keeping our focus on heavenly realities. Yes. yes. 2 Corinthians chapter 4, verses 16 through 18. Jason, if you could read that for us. The Apostle Paul writing to Christians in Corinth and also to us. The New King James says, 2 Corinthians chapter 4, 16 through 18. Therefore, we do not lose heart, even though our outward man is perishing, yet the inward man is being renewed day by day for our light affliction, which is but for a moment, mm -hmm. is working for us a far more exceeding and eternal weight of glory. While we do not look at the things which are seen, but at the things which are not seen. For the things which are seen are temporary, but the things which are not seen are eternal. Amen. So what are the things that are not seen but are eternal? Mm. Anyone? What are the things that we can't see with our eyes right now, but they are eternal things. Jesus. Pedro. I think our time spent with God, uh, you know, alone or, or with others. You know, sometimes we don't notice that we are doing God's work. It, it, it can be seen as, a, as just a, a regular act or not overseed, but those th times are time invested for the heavenly realm. That's certainly part of laying up treasure in heaven, but the eternal things are? Godly things. Heavenly things. things. Our destiny, Amen. right? Mm -hmm. New heaven and a new earth, or standing by the sea of glass. It's in the book of Revelation, it's yeah. described, isn't it? Mm -hmm. It's not just wishful thinking. No. It is our destiny. Mm -hmm. And if we keep our eyes focused on that glorious destiny, it will affect how we manage for the Master right now. Mm -hmm. Stephanie? Yes. Yes. I was just thinking, standing by Jesus. Yeah. Okay, that's your destiny. Yes. Yeah. And, and imagining standing by Him then will affect yes. how you behave now. Yes. Mm. Amen. Well, if we just took Noah and Abraham as examples, mm. what would you say? Great. Good examples. Well, <laughs> the Bible speaks about them as uh, great men of God. We could choose some other great women of God who mm -hmm. were willing to sacrifice everything and not just think about earthly realities. But I want to focus, if I can, now on a poor example. Mm -hmm. uh, not for you to follow, <laughs> but someone who is, a, is an unfortunate example of saying, I'm just going to lay up treasure on earth. Mm -hmm. There are several examples in the scripture, but we're actually going to look at Abraham's nephew, yeah. Lot. Mm -hmm. And we want to read in Genesis 13, verses 10 through 12. And uh, Travis, could you read that for us in Genesis 13, 10 to 12? It's a, it's a, a, it's a real estate decision, right? Uh, 
Abraham leaves his real estate. He leaves his nice house in the city of Ur to live in tents. Uh, but let's see Lot's decision in Genesis 13, verses 10 through 12. And I'll be reading from the New King James Version. And Lot lifted his eyes and saw all of the plain of the Jordan, that it was well watered everywhere before the Lord destroyed Sodom and Gomorrah, like the garden of the Lord, like the land of Egypt as you go toward Zor. Then Lot chose for himself all the plain of Jordan, and Lot journeyed east, and they separated from each other. Abraham dwelt in the land of Canaan, and Lot dwelt in the cities of the plain, and pitched his tent even as far as Sodom. That last word is a, is a very, um, I was going to say dangerous. It's a dangerous location, right? We, we talked about Noah, and the world was filled with wickedness and with violence. Mm -hmm. and, and everything we learn about Sodom is uh, contrary to the kingdom of God. Agreed? Yes. Yeah. So why does Lot pitch his tent towards Sodom? Yes, Haiti. Why does he pitch his tent towards Sodom? It's an it's a evil place. Immediately when, when that was being read, I was thinking of the story when David was anointed by the prophet Samuel and how Samuel had to go through all the brothers. I think there were eight of them. And he was like, well, this one is tall and handsome. This one's the one. And God was like, no, that's not the one. And we know the story. Eventually they they run out and he's like, are these all your sons? And <laughs> and they have to go and send for Jesse. I'm sorry, Jesse has to go and send for David. And when he sees him, the Lord speaks to him and he says, this is the one. Man looks at the outward appearance, but the Lord looks at the heart. Mm. And I feel like he was doing the exact same thing that Samuel does and the exact same thing that many of us do now. We look with our eyes. We look with our mortal limitations and not with spiritual eyes thinking of the long-term consequences of what being in that place would do to him or what accepting a job or going to school in that specific place how that might impact you mm. and it, it makes me think that we we need to be constantly seeking god's will so that we make sure that we don't fall into the same issue. Thank you, Haiti. If we were to take uh, that, uh, that insight she shared, if Lot had said, well, let me seek the Lord's counsel mm -hmm. on this. I, I don't know the answer, but I'd like you to think with me, what might the Lord have said to him? Lord, do you want me to go there into the fertile valley of the Jordan river and and pitch my tent towards sodom mm. well what do you think the lord would have said to him travis uh, uh we don't know for sure but what do you think it's interesting that the the lord called abraham and of course lot came with him out of ur or the chaldeans right or which is really known as babylon right and the and you talked about what sodom represents in the bible and babylon is very similar so here, I think God would have counseled him, don't go there. That's just like the place you just came out of. 
Um, he doesn't call us out of one place to call us back into something similar. He calls us out into something totally different, separate from the world. And so I see Lot here coming out of Ur, and then when he goes to Sodom, it's just going back to something familiar, back actually kind of where God had called him out of to begin with. Mm. Is it possible for the Lord, our provider, Jehovah Jireh, that's the story mm -hmm. from Genesis 22, that if Lot had said, I'm going to go up into the mountains with, uh, with Abraham, that God could have provided all of the grazing pasture that was needed? Yeah. Or, or was it essential for him to say, well, sorry, God can't do that, so I'm just going to pitch my tent towards mm -hmm. Sodom? I mean, how much do we believe that God is able to work in, in miraculous ways. I don't know, you're looking at me like, really, Derek? Uh, what, would it ever have been a good decision to pitch his tent towards Sodom? Mm -hmm. No. J Jason? Well, I think if Lot had actually sought God's counsel, God could have shared with Lot what was going on in the situation of Sodom at the time, mm -hmm. because if you read the next chapters, there's a political situation that's problematic. Uh, the area there is going to be captured by other kings. And then we also know about all the wickedness and violence. So maybe God would have shared with Lot. And mm -hmm. if Lot had been open to receiving these things, it doesn't take a lot of, uh, of knowledge to realize this is not a place you want to be. So mm -hmm. if we're open to receiving God's counsel, he can share with us where the best path is. Mm -hmm. Well, let's take a look at that because... It, he obviously was not fixing his eyes on things that are eternal mm. when he pitched his tent towards Sodom. Mm. So in chapter 14, as Jason summarized, a confederation of uh, hostile forces gathers and attacks that region. And uh, we could read all of the difficult names in the first part of the chapter. <laughs> but Jason, could you read verses 11 and 12? And, and let's see what happens um, as a result. Ah, has... Lot's location changed. Is he still just pitching his tent towards Sodom? Let's see what it says in Genesis 14, verses 11 and 12. The New King James Version says, Then they took all the goods of Sodom and Gomorrah and all their provisions and went their way. They also took Lot, Abram's brother's son, who dwelt in Sodom and his goods and departed. So first he's pitching his tent towards Sodom, and now he's living in, in Sodom, but it gets worse. We're going to go to Genesis chapter 19. Again, we're learning the example, a poor example, of focusing on just earthly treasure rather than focusing on heavenly treasure. And... Uh, Haiti, would you be willing to read that, read that for us? Or would you like to make a comment first? I saw your hand raised. We're in Genesis well, chapter 19. Sure, I'll be glad to read that. I was just going to say that I also see a flaw in Lot in the sense that he was not keeping the fifth commandment to honor your father and your mother. Mm -hmm. With Abraham being his uncle, he was kind of like a father-like figure to him. And I always thought that he was kind of disrespectful and selfish to him in choosing the best for himself or what he thought was the best even though we know it wasn't the best i just thought that even that even there we already saw that there was something off where mm. he wasn't putting god's um commandments and god's uh statutes in the right priority 
Well, and I'm thinking also of a previous study uh, that Jason taught about dealing with debt. If he'd listened to counsel and received instruction, <laughs> if he'd said, uh, Godly Uncle Abraham, what do you think I should do? I, I can't imagine Abraham saying, pitch towards Sodom, right? Well, let's see if you'd read on for us, Haiti, in now Genesis 19. And let's look as the story unfolds. It's, it's a tragic story, but a warning for all of us in verses 1 through 14. Okay. I'll be reading from the New King James Version. And it says, Now the two angels came to Sodom in the evening, and Lot was sitting in the gate of Sodom. When Lot saw them, he rose to meet them, and he bowed himself with his face toward the ground. And he said, Hear now, my lords, please turn into your servant's house and spend the night and wash your feet. Then you may rise early and go on your way. And they said, No, but we will spend the night in the open square. But he insisted strongly. So they turned into him and entered his house. Then he made them a feast and baked unleavened bread, and they ate. Now before they lay down, the men of the city, the men of Sodom, both old and young, all the people from every quarter surrounded the house. And they called to Lot and said to him, Where are the men who came to you tonight? Bring them out to us that we may know them carnally. So Lot went out to them through the doorway, shut the door behind him and said, Please, my brethren, do not do so wickedly. See now, I have two daughters who have not known a man. Please let me bring them out to you, and you may do to them as you wish. Only do nothing to these men, since this is the reason they have come under the shadow of my roof. And they said, Stand back. Then they said, This one came in to stay here, and he keeps acting as a judge. Now we will deal worse with you than with them. So they pressed hard against the man Lot and came near to break down the door. But the men reached out their hands and pulled Lot into the house with them and shut the door. And they struck the men who were at the doorway of the house with blindness, both small and great, so that they became weary trying to find the door. Then the men said to Lot, Have you anyone else here? son-in-law, your sons, your daughters, and whomever you have in the city, take them out of this place, for we will destroy this place, because the outcry against them has grown great before the face of the Lord, and the Lord has sent us to destroy it. So Lot went out and spoke to his sons-in-law, who had married his daughters, and said, Get up, get out of this place, for the Lord will destroy this city. But to his sons-in-law, he seemed to be joking. That is such a tragic story. To see that first pitching his tent towards Sodom, mm -mm. next he's in Sodom, and now Sodom is inside his family. Mm -hmm. What evidence is, before we talk about the kind of unwise comments that Lot is making, where do you see rampant evil, Pedro, in that story? Well, it's, it's, it's sad to see that even Lot knew 
the type of character of people in, in verse in verse eight. It says, "I brought them into my house because I knew you guys were going to do this to him." Mm. Mm. So he knew the kind of wickedness yes. that was yeah. all around him yeah. uh, to the point that even when these people are struck blind, they're still groping to try to find the door. Mm-hmm. There's mm. just, but, but how has how has the evil of Sodom got inside his family? Anybody? Alex, how's, mm-hmm. how's the evil of, where do you see it in the narrative that no. the evil of Sodom is inside his family now? Oh, yes, because it, it mentions how they, they thought that he was only joking. They didn't really take him serious or didn't have respect for him. They didn't respect him as a man who was laying up treasure yes. in heaven and yeah. would speak the word of God. But, but there's more than that. Mm-hmm. I saw Stephanie, <laughs> your, brow, your brow just furrow mm-hmm. uh, by the comment that Lot made to the evil men at his door. Yes. So it's revolting to me that he, as the father and the house man, would offer his two mm-hmm. daughters to such evil wickedness. Yes. That just, I, I can't imagine my father doing that. Mm-hmm. Never. Revolting is, is, a, is a, an appropriate word, isn't it? Mm-hmm. Uh, that he would offer his young daughters, but where else is wickedness very evident that it's impacted his family? Anybody? I, yes, I uh, think, Lika? Uh, if we read farther, what the daughters did afterwards. Well, we'll get there a little farther, but even before, even with the narrative we've just read, Tigist? I would assume it's the marriage of the children with mm-hmm. these men. These mm-hmm. Later, two of the daughters will get dragged out of the city by the angels, the two unmarried ones yeah. that Lot was willing to offer to be abused by this pack of evil men. Mm-hmm. But there were other daughters too, because it speaks about mm-hmm. son-in-laws yeah. and what kind of uh, life companions had these uh, daughters chosen? Sodom. Sodom. People of Sodom, yeah. who not only lived in Sodom, but acted like Sodom. Mm-hmm. So we see that deciding not to stay focused on heavenly treasure and our heavenly destiny drastically affects the way that we live. Now, Tigus, uh, Lalika, excuse me, you pointed out that it even affected uh, the daughters who stayed at home. Uh, Let's look at that. uh, Stephanie, perhaps you could read for us the same chapter 19, verses 15 to 26. I... uh, It's a shocking story, but I would hope that when we're done with our study, Jesus says, don't just lay up treasure on heaven, on earth, where uh, moth corrupts and and rust corrupts and thieves break in and steal. Lay up your treasure in heaven. Here we see Lot has not done that at all. Mm. Reading on in Genesis 19, verses 15 to 26. And I'll be reading from the New King James Version. When the morning dawned, the angels urged Lot to hurry, saying, Arise, take your wife and your two daughters who are here, lest you be consumed in the punishment of the city. And while he lingered, the man took hold of his hand, his wife's hand, and the hands of his two daughters, the Lord being merciful to him, and they brought him out and set him outside the city. So it came to pass, when they had brought them outside, that he said, escape for your life. Do not look behind you or s- nor stay anywhere in the plain. Escape to the mountains, lest you be destroyed. Then Lot said to them, please know my lords. Indeed, now your servant has found favor in your sight 
and you have increased your mercy which you have shown me by saving my life, but I cannot escape to the mountains lest some evil overtake me and I die. Mm -hmm. see, see now, this city is near enough to flee to, and it is a little one. Please let me escape there. Is it not a little one? Mm -hmm. And my soul shall live. And he said to, and he said to him, See, I have favored you concerning this thing also, in that I will not overthrow this city for which you have spoken. Hurry, escape there, for I cannot do anything until you arrive there. Therefore the name of the city was called Zoar. The sun had risen upon the earth when Lot entered Zoar. Then the Lord rained brimstone and fire on Sodom and Gomorrah from the Lord out of the heavens. Mm. So he overthrew those cities, all the plain, all the inhabitants of the cities, and what grew on the ground. But his wife looked back behind him, and she became a pillar of salt. Mm. Why did God save Lot? Mm. Um. Did he deserve salvation based on what we're reading in the scripture? Mm. No. no. Why did the Lord God save Lot? Any, any thoughts, Gladys? I think it was because of the intercession mm -hmm. of Abraham on his favor. It was nothing that, that Lot did on his own. I think it's basically because Abraham pleaded for him. Mm. Lalika? And I do believe also that Abraham was a, a good man, uh, Lot was a good man. Here in the story, we see that the, the people of Sodom said, why you keep on acting like a judge? Probably he thought, I'm going to be in their midst and teach them the right way. But later on in the New Testament, we can see that uh, he says that uh, while uh, jo Lot was in Sodom, he he tried or he did his heart to not conform with everything that was going around him. So he was not following them. So I'm really struggling with that comment because yeah. <laughs> I don't think he was a good man. No. I think a good man would have taken his family out of Sodom. Mm -hmm. Yes. Uh, maybe he was trying to do the best he could. Mm -hmm. uh, we could read on where he you read on in the mm -hmm. rest of the chapter where mm -hmm. he sleeps with both of his daughters and, uh, and the two children born are, they become great enemies of the children of Israel. And I'm thinking, this is a very bad picture, isn't it? Yes. Of, of someone, maybe that's a warning, Lilika, that someone could say, well, I, I'm going to try to live for God, but I'm going to live for God uh, in, in God, in Satan's territory. Yeah. Uh, get out of the city. Well, could I go to that little city over there? Yeah. Instead of saying, where does God want me to mm -hmm. go? Exactly. Well, if we ended here, you'd say, Derek, I'm depressed. That's a <laughs> terrible story. I want to end on one last narrative, and that is Moses, yeah. because yeah. Moses leaves. Uh, talk about security, Alex. I mean, he's <laughs> yes. like, he has everything he'll, he'll need in his entire life. Yeah. But let's look at the, at the uh, story of Moses, and we'll begin uh, in Acts chapter 7, I know we could read back in the book of Exodus, but Acts 7 and verse 22, and I'm going to ask Pedro if you'd read that for us. Uh, let, let's see what we can learn from the inspired record uh, of the book of Acts. 
I'll be reading from the New King James Version, Acts 7, 22. And it says, And Moses was learned in all the wisdom of the Egyptians, and was mighty in, the word, in words and deeds. Mm. University graduate, yeah. trained in military tactics, mm -hmm. uh, air, groomed to be the heir for the throne, had everything he needed. Um, you can read about him in the book of Exodus, of course, the whole story. And, and he ends up being a prophet of God who writes the Pentateuch, the first Amen. five books of the, of the Old Testament, maybe even the book of Job. So what causes him to, to, to say, I'm not going to seek earthly treasure, but I'm going to lay up my treasure in heaven? Well, the answer is found again in the book of Hebrews. And so let's go to Hebrews. Sabina, could you read for us Hebrews chapter 11, verses 24 to 27? Um, you know, the book of Hebrews, I'm just so glad that that was written, especially chapter 11, because it talks about the faithfulness of men and women of God. Uh, what, what can we learn about Moses from Hebrews 11, 24 to 27? I'll be reading from the New King James Version, and that's what the word says. By faith, Moses, when he became of age, refused to be called the son of Pharaoh's daughter, choosing rather to suffer affliction with the people of God than to enjoy the passing pleasures of sin, esteeming the reproach of Christ greater riches than the treasurers in Egypt, for he looked to the reward. By, by faith, he forsook Egypt, not fearing the wrath of the king, for he endured as seeing him who is invisible. Mm. So what was that reward again? I, I like the way that you put it. Of course, the Son of God had not yet incarnated uh, into Jesus of Nazareth, right? But So he didn't know about Jesus, but he knew about the promised Messiah. What was the reward that he was looking to? Eternal life, Eternal life with a God who loves us with an immeasurable Amen. and unfailing love. He would be willing to leave all of that treasure for the heavenly treasure, right? Amen. He laid up his treasure in heaven. Now, scan forward from Moses. There's lots of Bible characters. But can you think of some other Bible characters who might have been inspired by the example of Moses, who said, I'm not going to just lay up treasure on earth. In fact, I'm going to leave all of the earthly treasure just like Abraham left Ur, right? I'm going to leave all of that treasure and I'm going to focus on what's eternal. Mm -hmm. Who might have been inspired in the scriptures by that testimony? Oh. And no right or wrong answer. I would oh. say Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. All right, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, because they're, they're going to be thrown into a fiery furnace, mm -hmm. but, exactly. but they're keeping their eyes on what's eternal. Amen. And they didn't mind their position. They were in a great position at that time. They, were they could have said, them. well, we have to preserve our status and our mm -hmm. position. Someone else. Yes. Daniel is a great example. He um, could have uh, go by the order of the Persian king. Instead, he was faithful to God than to the earthly king. So if we're willing to lose everything mm -hmm. to honor God, we actually gain everything, right? Amen. Sabina, can you think of another Bible character that might have been inspired by the example of Moses laying up treasure in heaven? Yeah, I'm thinking of Matthew, the tax collector. Oh, okay. So he had the opportunity of benefit and profit of the system in place, and he could make a lot of money out of it, like just like Moses. Uh, but he chose to leave this behind and follow Jesus. 
Anyone else? One more. One more. J Jason. John the Baptist. Yes. John the Baptist. And, and how much was he willing to let go of in order to lay up heavenly treasure? He lost mm. his life. Yes. Life itself. He laid down everything in order to uh, mm -hmm. keep his eyes focused on that which is eternal. Mm -hmm. I want to ask you a question today. What does God want you to let go of? Stuff that you're not going to be able to take with you <laughs> and help you focus more clearly on heavenly treasure. Would you pray with me that God would show you? We'll pray too as a team because we all need to see those things that might distract us and to say, Lord, we don't want to live for earthly treasure that, that rusts and moths eat it and thieves break in and steal, but we want to focus on eternal realities and that will affect the way that we are faithful managers for the master. Let's pray. Our Father in heaven, I thank you for reminding us of the precious words of Jesus. Don't live for earthly things. You won't take any of that with you. Live for heavenly things and, and lay up treasure in heaven and certainly our own salvation, but also the salvation of others we love and pray for and witness to. We pray that you would guide us in all of our decisions, that we would keep our eyes fixed on Jesus with the sure and certain hope that soon we will see you face to face. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. I'm glad you joined us for Hope Sabbath School today. And pray with me, God, keep me focused on my heavenly destiny and not on the things of this earth. And then in the power of the Spirit, go out and be a blessing to those around you.